I'm Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is Home is Where the Murder Is. Hi, Robin. Hi, Molly. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good. I like how we talk to each other like we aren't always together. (laughs) Haven't just spent the last two days together. And we're like, hey, how are you? We had no idea. I've been, I don't think I've gone home. So. Yeah. But nobody else needed to know that. But now they do. (laughs) Now that's a fact you have. Put that in your pocket. Yay. So what's, uh, tell, tell the listeners what's new with you. It's just been a busy week here at the home front. Um, garage sale week in Mount Horeb. That's a big week. Just busy with work. The kids have just been themselves. Wonderful things yeah. that they are. Oh, I love them. It's fine. Um, why don't you tell them where we're at, Robin? Oh, my gosh, you guys. Big news. We are in. Okay, so we used to be in a fort, a blanket fort. But now we are in an indoor tent. So the blanket fort was like held up with ladders. <laughs> and uh, clamps. And clamps. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, it was pretty good. It's I, super we had professional. That pic- we showed that picture on Facebook. Yeah. Um, we'll have to take a picture of this one and put yeah. that on there too because I oh, think yeah. people will think this is so cool. Yeah. It's like we're kind of camping out. Like we're, like we're telling you a ghost story around the campfire. Yeah. So, yeah, they had these indoor tent things on Amazon, and I snagged one. And it was really easy to set up. And then inside, we stuck a whole bunch of these soundproofing things on it and our equipment. And we're sitting on the floor drinking tea and talking to you guys. Yep. Here we are. There it is. So, yeah, we'll sh- we'll post some pictures. Yeah. I've also been working on the Instagram. I've been slowly adding in the cases with photos and mm-hmm. stuff. So I didn't want to do them all at one time. I wanna, I'm kind of doing like one or two a day. So yeah. No, you're doing a great job. I'm very pleased. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, it's another late night for us. So I want to get right to this murder because I just want to go to bed. We just had chicken Alfredo. Oh, we did. And we and we worked all day. And Molly worked at a garage sale all day. I yeah. shouldn't say well, I worked all day. I did not. I, I wasn't there all day. I was in and out because of, like, taking the kids places and picking them up and all of that kind of stuff and meeting uptown for stuff for work. And so, I mean, wasn't really there all day, but I've been going all day. Yeah, we're tired. Yeah. But then again, I don't think we've ever done an episode where we aren't tired, so that's just part of that's part of our thing. Yeah. So here we are. What you get. The only thing that bothers me about this little tent thing is that our backs are facing the entrance and I'm just I would prefer them being against the wall because we're talking about murder. Yeah. But that's fine. That's fine. No one will come get us because they. Oh, we, well, they we have the us. dogs. We'll know if someone comes in the house. There's no way. That's true. Anyone would ever come in our house without That's us true. knowing. The dogs freak out. That's true. That does happen. Yeah. So, uh, big shout out to our uh, sponsor, Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Hey, Aaron. Thank you. I do know that he's been listening because last. Yeah, he epi- has. <laughs> last episode, I accidentally called him Eric. <gasps> Remember, no the horror, <laughs> and he messaged me about it. So I would have messaged you too, yeah. bitch. So his name is not Eric; his name is Aaron, and he's an amazing lender. And if you are looking to buy a home or refinance your home, you definitely want to give him a call. They have some pretty cool programs going on right now. So even if you think you can't buy a house, you can. Guess what? Jokes on you. You can buy three. 
Probably well, not. No, don't listen to Molly. She's still new. <laughs> I knew. So. No, but you could probably buy one, a modest home. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's what call call Aaron. And then call us and we'll help you find it. It's a win win. I think so. Win. Win win win. Yes, at Driftless Properties with Badger Realty Team. I forgot where we worked. <laughs> I forgot. I thought you were gonna say I forgot where we were. Oh. Just <laughs> were in life in general. Yeah, no. We Who who really knows? Yeah. It's like a deep question. Where are we? Who are we? Yeah, it's too late for that shit. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna get right to my murder. So this one, okay, so earlier I was talking to myself, like I always do, and I was going to say that it's not as bad as my last one, but I honestly don't think... say that. Well, I don't think anything could be worse. Well, right. Maybe it could, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, there's, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, this one also involves children. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> I apologize. Uh, it's an older one, and uh, it's kind of similar to my John List um, story that I told. The remember uh, John List, the guy that killed his family in the seventies. That guy. Mm-hmm. Very similar situation going to be happening in the story. So I'm going to get right to it. Alrighty, here we go. All right, this is called the Easter Sunday Massacre. Which Aww, sounds so nice. So on Easter, while everyone was you know spending time with their kids and doing Easter egg hunts and having nice dinners, I researched a murder that happened on Easter by myself. In the dark. Okay. I mean, everyone celebrates in their own way, I suppose. Yep. So, 635 Manor Avenue in Hamilton, Ohio, is a small two-bedroom, 1.5 bath home that has quite the history. By the way, 1.5 means one and a half. I just say it 1.5. It means one and a half. Thank you. You're welcome. Built in 1919, this two-story house was your typical single-family home until one quiet Easter day in 1975. Oh, 70s. Yep. This story is centered around one man. One man who would go on to be the reason behind the deadliest shooting by a lone perpetrator in Ohio's history. His name was James Rupert, and he was born on March 29, 1934, to Charity and Leonard Rupert. It was said that James kind of had a troubled life from the get-go. He was the second-born child to Charity and Leonard, and it was said that his mother made it known that she was disappointed that he was not a girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She wanted a daughter. Yeah. Can't really help that, Mom. Nope. There was already a first-born son by the name of Leonard Rupert Jr., who was described as the golden child. Leonard Sr. was described as an unaffectionate father, and he had a violent temper towards his sons. A lot of these fathers seem to be like that. Dicks. Yeah. Leonard Sr. passed away in 1946 at the age of 37 when James was 12 and Leonard Jr. was 14. That's young. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably karma for being a dick. Probably. Leonard Jr. quickly took on the role as the man of the house, but but that only made things worse between him and James. Leonard was a, I'm just really going with a theme here. I wrote, Leonard was a dick older brother who made fun of James for being weak. The teasing was so bad that one time James ran away and was going to commit suicide, but that failed and he returned home. Aw. Yeah. So I don't know any more about that. I tried to research it, but all I could find was, oh, it didn't work out. So I don't know what he had tried. That's sad though. He just, yeah. I know. If you think about that young of a child and you... 
Well, his wow. father was crappy, and now his big brother's crappy to him. Just, it's just like crap. Just a lot. Crap bag. Crap bag. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I have to get that on a shirt. It's from Friends. Is it? I love Friends. It, that's what Mike wanted to change his name to. Oh, remember? that's right. Crap yep. bag. You got it. Why don't you introduce me to your friends? This, this is my husband, crap bag. <laughs> Anyway, as adults, Leonard Jr. and James took different paths in life. Leonard became an electrical engineer and bought a home in Fairfield, Ohio, with his wife, Alma, who was once a girlfriend of James. Alma. That's from John List. Yes, that's John List's mom. Yeah. Do you see the similarities? 1975? Like, well, it was 1971 for... Yeah. But 1970s? Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm getting all giddy uh, with murder. Okay, so she dated her um, her husband's brother at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Jr. and Alma had eight children together. together. That's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, let's see here, I'm going to give you the ages real quick. So Leonard III was 17, Michael was 16, Thomas was 15, Carol was 13, Anne was 12, David was 11, Teresa was 9, and then John was 4. Alma was never not pregnant. Honestly, back to back to back. I put here, they were not fucking around when it came to having kids, but they were fucking around, if you know what I mean. Right. Isn't that funny? I wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) It's right here. So special. Anyway, rest in peace. James was pretty much the complete opposite of Leonard Jr. Although he had no criminal record, he wasn't really amounting to anything. He had dropped out of school, couldn't hold a job, and was still living at home with his mother, while owing her and his brother money that he had borrowed from them over the years. James loved to drink and frequented the local bars every night. And when I say every night, I mean every night. I don't know how someone could do that. He'd be so tired. So tired. <laughs> I know. This be- behavior had become too much for his mother, Charity, and she gave him notice that he would need to move out. James' go-to bar was a place called the 19th Hole Cocktail Lounge. It's like a golf reference. 19th hole. Yep. So it's like that's the last hole you go yep. to. Yep. Yep. The drinking hole. Yep. Funny, huh? Yeah. On his 41st birthday, which was March 29th, 1975, James went to the bar to drink and visit with an employee by the name of Wanda Bishop. Uh-oh. Yeah. He hmm. allegedly went there to complain about his mom wanting to kick him out and how he needed to solve the problem. He left the bar at 11 p.m., but later returned and stayed there until 2.30 a.m., which makes it Easter morning. He told Wanda that he had not he had not solved the problem and they continued to drink throughout the night. Earlier that day, witnesses stated they saw James down by the river shooting target practice. At the time, that was not unusual per se because James had a gun collection and was often shooting. Well, I think that's just a seventies thing. Yeah. Well just go shoot. And if he had a if he was had a gun collection and was into it and he was doing it yeah. often, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so James was described as a modest, helpful man who stood 5'6 and only 135 pounds. He so. could, w- strong breeze could blow this guy over. Yep. <laughs> it's been real windy here. It has been. <laughs> Even with a gun, people never saw him as a threat. 
obviously. Um, which is why the actions that occurred on March 30th, 1975, were so shocking to the community of Hamilton, Ohio. I'm pretty sure that was like my dad's ninth birthday. Because he was born on March 30th, and I think he was born in 66. If my dad listened to this, he could tell me. This will be a good way to find out if he does. He doesn't. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it takes us up to Easter Sunday. Leonard and Alma packed up their eight children and drove to Grandma Charity's house for Easter dinner. Their day began with church, and then they all participated in an egg hunt on the front lawn. All but James, of course. He was sleeping off his night of drinking in his bedroom, which was located upstairs of the two-story house. Around 4 p.m., James woke up, and while sitting on the edge of his bed, he loaded his 357 Magnum and two 22 caliber handguns. He then loaded his rifle and began walking downstairs with all weapons loaded and ready for destruction. Downstairs, in the kitchen, the adults were making sloppy joes for the kids. Alma was in front of the stove with her little helpers, 9-year-old Teresa and 11-year-old David. Leonard Jr. was on the other side of the island, and, thir uh, and 13-year-old Carol had been helping her grandmother Charity at another counter space within the kitchen. James entered the kitchen and immediately shot his brother in the head, killing him instantly. He then shot Alma in the head, and then as his mother was coming towards him, he shot her in the head and twice in the chest. He then shot the three children that were in the kitchen. He just, like, woke up one day and he's like, well, yep, here's the solution. All of a sudden I'm talking about binge drinking and Easter egg hunting, and then there's murder. Hmm. James then made his way into the living room where the rest of the nieces and nephews were. He shot four-year-old John by the couch, 15-year-old Thomas by the bookshelf, 12-year-old Anne as she was in the back corner of the living room, 17-year-old Leonard by the coffee table, and 16-year-old Michael by the chair. Once they had all been shot, he went through the property one last time, shooting each of them again to make sure they were dead. Wow. What a dick, right? That's See? awful. I said it again. That's yeah. four times in one podcast. Or more. That's my word of the day, I guess. Wow. James had gone through 35 rounds of ammunition in two minutes and had created such a bloodbath that the blood was seeping through the floorboards into the basement. Wow. Gross. Yeah. I mean, I can, yeah. Mm. Right. Can you just imagine? Yeah. Two minutes, 11 lives gone, and at the hands of one troubled family member. So there's, um, and we will share this on our Instagram and our Facebook, but there's um, a diagram of where each person was found, and they're labeled, like who's who and what, but that's how I figured out where everybody was um, killed. So, um, And then I was just trying to think, I'm like, gosh, to kill 11 people, like the fact that no one was able to escape. I was thinking that as you were saying that, like, is everyone just standing watching? Like, why doesn't someone run out know. of the the house? Well, and it all happens so fast, yeah. too. So. I mean, I'm sure you're just in shock. Yeah. Just watching this happen in front of you, like not thinking it's real. And yeah. It's just crazy. So James then hung around the house for three hours before calling police to report what he had done. James was completely uncooperative with law enforcement and refused to answer any questions. Investigators found all the murder weapons at the scene and immediately charged him with 11 counts of first-degree murder. He went on trial in June of 1975 
and the prosecution claimed that James planned out these murders so he would be the beneficiary of a $300,000 life insurance policy, which isn't completely out of quite the, like, I feel like that might have been a motive because he was in financial, you know, yeah ruins and. But I mean, I mean, I guess back then that was more than now, but like, that's not going to keep you going for well i think his plan changed too once he realized like once he killed the kids i think he realized well i'm not going to get away with this i might as well just kill all all of them but um so some so the defense didn't think that was the case but um the prosecution did so his defense attorneys claimed that he was a sick psychotic and mentally ill person which is why Mm -hmm. james pled not guilty by reason of insanity i mean that was their defense like guys, he's just 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 crazy just and he's bad. Psycho. Yeah. But a three-judge panel found him guilty on all count uh, on there it is. I knew I'd screw up eventually on all 11 counts. He was sentenced to life in prison on July 3rd, 1975. However, this was eventually deemed a mistrial because apparently James was not receiving a fair trial in Hamilton, which is where the murders occurred. How could someone like that? You know what I mean? Like, how how do you even receive a fair trial? Like, who would have not heard about this? Right. Or like, uh, like, are you kidding me? Like, well, and he admitted to doing it. Well, right. So it's like, what, what he do you called mean? the police on himself. Exactly. Yeah. So like, and, I yeah. feel like at that point, it's like, why why are we even going through yeah. all of he this? He wasn't trying to hide that he no. did it. So I don't I don't know. And it, I, I will be honest with you. From what I can read, it a lot of it wasn't even him trying to stop these things it was his attorney so i don't know why yeah but well he wanted the win he wanted to you know yeah. be like look I mean, what like i, I did with this a different case yeah yeah <laughs> um so due to the popularity of the crime they decided to give him another trial in findlay ohio which was about 125 miles from hamilton thought you were gonna say finland i did like six thousand times while researching this you yeah. bet i did yeah mm-hmm. and like wow they, they had to go real far for no one <laughs> not to hear for that moment were yeah you? okay yeah <laughs> nice Luckily, it was the same outcome, and he was found guilty on all 11 counts. I mean, how could you not be? Yeah. Other than if they, you know, insanity. But it's like, he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. You'd think that that would be the end of it. But no. Yeah. Because of one of his twat waffle lawyers, mm. um, he w- the, I'm sorry, this twat waffle lawyer fought for an appeal and won. In 1982... His lawyer Holbrook brought Brock. Yeah, why is talking so difficult? Because he's a wet sock. Okay. Holbrock paid for his paid for the psychiatrist and the psychologist with his own money to prove that his client was indeed insane. I'm sorry. I just choked on my words. I'm okay. Everything's oh. fine. Oh no. This did end up changing the outcome of his conviction, but not by much. He was still found guilty of the murder of his mother and his brother, but was found not guilty by reasons of insanity on the other nine charges. I'm not sure exactly how they came hmm. up with that, but they did. Yeah. Yeah, right. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's, that's a bit baffling. But it did not change his fate. He was still sentenced to two life sentences. Yeah. With, but with the possibility of parole. Oh. So at the time of his trial, capital punishment was suspended, so that's why he did not face the death penalty. Capital punishment was suspended from 1972 through 1976. But now 
he could, but still, like... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Sorry. I'd, I'd like him to well get that. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> James entered the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction at the Franklin Medical Center on July 30th, 1982. He would remain there for the rest of his life. He was up for parole in 1995 at the age of 61, which was denied, another in 2005 at the age of 71, and another in 2015 at the age of 81, all denied. His next parole would have been 2025, but he died on June 4th, 2022, at the age of 88 of natural causes. Hmm. The correctional family, family, help me. The well, they probably, they might see themselves as a family. <laughs> we don't know. We shouldn't we judge. Be right. We shouldn't judge. We don't know them. That's true. The correctional facility had this to say in 2015 in regards to his last parole. The board has determined that the inmate is not suitable for release at this time. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. You don't say? <laughs> the inmate has not completed any recommended programming and does not appear to be willing to do so. James is like, nah, that no. doesn't, that's not for me. I'm telling you, this guy, how he sounds in my head is just a, I'm going to just go through the motions, not have a not have a personality, not have a soul, not have anything, just a shell of a human being is yeah. the vibe I get from him. Well, he seems like he was. Yeah. So they continue to say um, the inmate record notes negative inst- institutional conduct. The inmate took the lives of multiple victims. There has been strong community objections to his release. The release of this inmate would not be in the best interest of justice. No. You know... I like this parole board because they kept a dangerous, psychotic man behind bars. Yeah. Yet the one here in Wisconsin's just letting him out left and right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, <laughs> it's a not really a humor I like, but. No, it's stupid and ridiculous yeah. and it makes me angry. Yeah. But I will go on that rant by myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I found a newspaper article that shed some light on that bar worker I talked about. Earlier, Wanda Bishop, I need to, I need to read what I found because it is kind of funny. Okay, so so Wanda Bishop, in all the articles that I was reading about, and when I say articles, I mean like kind of stories about her. So, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, any um, uh, shows that did uh, you know something on this, they all just have her as some woman that that he knew at this bar. But no, you guys, there is more to it than that. Okay. So they had Wanda testify in the defense of James Rupert. So what she said was um, that her and James were boyfriend and girlfriend. Now, a woman that worked with Wanda at the bar also testified, but she testified for the prosecution. And she said that while working at that same cocktail lounge... She never saw them together. Uh-huh. Yep. And that uh, she only saw, and that he never received any, or she never received phone calls from him, nothing. They were never together. It was either he was there or she was there. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. Even though he said he went to the bar that one night, but maybe she wasn't working, but like. Yeah, or, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. she's trying to say, and and, and her testimony doesn't help him in any way, shape, or form. So I'm not really sure why this serves a purpose, but all of the newspaper articles I can find on this 
all just have these long rants about Wanda Bishop. So um, other people then, of course, came forward to testify to debunk what what Wanda was saying. So she's saying she was in a relationship with this man and that he was with her and couldn't have been him that murdered him, even though he he's admitting he did it. So um, another woman that, uh, oh, I'm sorry. uh, The mother that lives next door to Miss Bishop. So that would be Wanda. um, They were asked, what do you think about her reputation? Uh, for honesty and this woman said she doesn't have a reputation for truthfulness Aww. so that's not good um, Wanda had testified that she was in love with James and that they had left the bar together the night before the shootings and spent some time in a parking lot necking Ugh, mm-hmm. that necking will get you yep. you can get mono that way who hasn't necked in a parking lot before honestly one of my favorites Yeah, she had said that James discussed with her that night that his family and financial problems and told her he had a problem he had to take care of right away. So she's saying that and he's saying that. So I don't know if they if that actually happened or what. But again, they also weren't at the bar, according to this. So, yeah, um, they well, they were in a parking lot when they had that conversation. So naked, naked. So another defense rebuttal came, and they said that the night before the shootings, that James was not there with Wanda. So again, that's another person that's like. So it was very unclear about yeah. what, and it's very unclear why Wanda is even yeah, involved. What, what does yeah? She serves no purpose. Did she get some money or something? I don't know. But um, the fun part is, is Wanda is actually married. Mm. Mm-hmm. Married, married. Uh, his name is Elmer. Elmer. Ooh. She was married at the time? Yeah. Ah. To Elmer Bishop. Well, I bet you he wasn't a big fan of all of us. Nope. He testified that his wife, um, he was with his wife and that she was with him and the children in their trailer home the night before the murders, which means she could not have possibly been with James. Yeah. So none of that story makes any sense. And why does it even exist? Right. Why does it even matter? Right. So that, it's it's funny. So if anyone does any research on this, you, if you go to newspapers.com, you can pull up old newspapers. It's actually a really cool um, tool to have. Every single newspaper goes into into these long tangents about Wanda Bishop and how she's involved in this. And I'm over here like, she's this. that was a complete waste of my time. She yeah. served no purpose. Right. And now it was a complete waste of your time because I just told you all about it. Ugh. You're welcome. Those are minutes you won't get back. Sorry. Blame it on Wanda. Yep. Anyway, so after the murders, the family members were buried in Arlington Memorial Gardens in Cincinnati. One year after the murders, the house was opened to the public and the items inside were auctioned off. Which I feel like is kind of a weird way to do things when there's murders going on, but it was the 70s. Yeah. It was cleaned, recarpeted, and then rented to a family who was not aware of the home's history. They eventually left the house because they claimed to hear voices and unexplained noises. Mm. Mm-hmm. Families continued to move in and out until it was bought by Dennis Snyder in 1989. He purchased it for $33,000. Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine? You can't even get land for $33,000. No. no. Can't get a car for that. Nope. And he um, owned it for 19 years. During this time, he stated that he never had any paranormal experiences 
experiences, and those rumors were hogwash. Oh. Those were his words. Bunch of <laughs> fiddle-faddle is what fiddle it is. Fiddle-faddle, yep. Instead, he just dealt with a lot of people coming by, asking to see the property or driving by. He would politely tell them to fuck off. I was going to say, he probably didn't love that, did he? No. He, and it was funny because he gave a statement where he's like, I would politely tell them to get the hell off my property. <laughs> I just laugh. I just laugh. Like, I would be very kind and you scream yeah. at them to leave. Yeah. And he's like, and they were usually children. It's like, oh, okay, nice. Probably getting dared by their friends Oh, and 100%. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Dennis Snyder put the house on the market in 2007 for 64900 but those sales fell through due to, due to the neighbors scaring off potential buyers. That makes me think of like the movie Step Brothers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He tried again in 2008, and a buyer by the name of Cinnamon Baker ended up purchasing the home for $54,000. Can we just take a moment to enjoy that beautiful name? Do you think that Cinnamon Baker bakes with cinnamon? I hope so. If not, what a waste. I think Cinnamon Baker is the greatest name. Yeah. I'm super jealous. So, So yeah, she bought the the house for $54,000, so about um, $10,000 less than what he had it listed for the year prior. Which is significant when it's only that much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He he put a statement out there. He was pissed about it. Yeah. Not about selling it to her by any means, but because he could have, he felt that his neighbors cost him like 10 grand. Yeah. So. Um, So when she purchased the home, she had no idea of its history. It wasn't until during the sale that she was made aware of its past. She did a final walkthrough and still felt good about purchasing the home. So she did. She, as well, has never had any paranormal activities in the home. Just Mm -hmm. people wanting to see it. Yeah. Cinnamon listed the home in 2022, and within five days, she had a full-price offer. It sold five months ago for $80,000. The value of it today is $85,000. The only thing lasting since the murders in 1975 are the bloodstains on the floor joists in the basement. As you remember, the blood was so so heavy that it seeped through the floorboards. And I will I have photos of this, and I will post it on our Facebook and our Instagram. But that's pretty much the gist on the Easter Sunday Massacre. It's kind of a quick one. Well, even selling the house for 85 Can you even in imagine? In 2022? I know. What? Well, I don't know. So it's in Ohio, so I'm not a... It's a different yeah, I'm not a licensed area. realtor realtor there. So I feel like I can say this. The neighborhood was questionable to me from the research I did. So I feel like that plays a part. Well, and I feel like that's pretty, you know, easy to see by the price, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. I had to take a drink of my tea here. Wow. Yeah. So that's the Easter Sunday massacre, the the biggest um, massacre in Ohio's history by a lone perpetrator. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. just, you wonder what just made him just all of a sudden that day flip. Yeah. And he just never talked. He never would talk about it, huh? Yeah. And it sucks because, like, the kids didn't deserve to die. Absolutely. Not. I mean, well, I none of them did. Well, yeah. no, the adults didn't deserve to die. But it makes me even more mad. It's like, if you have beef with your brother and yeah. your mother and everything, don't. Don't take it out on the kids. Their yeah. innocence in this. Yeah. But he obviously was a psychopath, so. Yeah. That's, that's, there it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, be sure to follow us on our Facebook page. Home is where the murder is. And on Instagram, you can find us there as well. 
we are still taking cases. If there's one that you know of that you want us to cover, you can email it to us at homeiswherethemurderis at gmail.com. Or send a message on Facebook even or mm-hmm. on Instagram. We'll yep. see it. Yeah, we are. We do appreciate your feedback as well. We yeah. are still um, working with our equipment. Obviously, this is constantly changing for us, but we have been getting really good feedback, which has been awesome. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, and so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's really cool to hear the awesome things you guys have to say. And if you have any suggestions on how we can make things better, we are all ears because we are still figuring out. Because we don't out. know. We don't know. We don't know. No. You know. You know. Tell you. us what you know. Tell us all of it. Yeah. So, and all right. Well, you guys have an awesome week and thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.